Welcome back to the Shred Takes podcast show. I'm Mike Shredder. I'm back after a week and a half hiatus. And I'm excited to be back on the show discussing some sports with you guys. Let's just break down simply what I thought of the NFL last night. So the Colts, who were 5-3 and three entering yesterday, a team that guys, a lot of sports analysts, a lot of people weren't really sure about who they were. And that's primarily due to Phillip Rivers and primarily due to the fact that their defense was so reliant on one defensive line. But I think last night proved a lot of things to a lot of people that the Colts actually can be a sleeper and a Super Bowl contender if they get consistency from Phillip Rivers, which again is a maybe, right? In the playoffs, we've all known Phillip Rivers to not always be that consistent. And instead of going into depth about maybe what happens if you watch like first take or you watch undisputed, right? Those guys didn't really go into depth of what happened. The question they were asking is if Phil Rose, a hall of famer after that game, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down how good a, a guy who did a great job breaking this down. I'm going to, you know, further explain his analysis and layman's terms for people was Ryan Clark from ESPN really explained in depth, a really good way to describe what happened last night, which was, The Colts took the Tennessee Titans identity, adopted for themselves, and did a better job with that. Tennessee, after starting the year off 5-0, has been 1-3 since, has kind of lost their way. Ryan Tannehill last night was very bad, had a QBR of 20. Philip Rivers, on the other hand, who has not been very good at all this year, you know, he ranks the the bottom 20, you know, 25th, I think, in QBR, and 22nd in touchdowns and 23rd in interceptions. So again, he hasn't had a good year. He's old, right? He isn't, he isn't the same player he once was, but last night he threw for 308 passing yards. He had a 68% completing percentage. He had a 76 QBR and threw a touchdown and they won 34 to 17. They beat Tennessee in every facet that Tennessee's good at defense, running the football, making smart plays with their quarterback in special teams, a block punt to a touchdown. Right? So what I take from that, I think the Colts, you know, proved last night that they, they have the potential to be very scary because I think their defense is very good. They have a good running game. And if they can get some sort of consistent play from a guy like Phillip Rivers, they can actually be very dangerous because Phillip Rivers has the capabilities, even at his age, to still gunsling the football around the, the field. And if he can be consistent, at least throw a 65% completing percentage and not turn the ball over, then they have a chance to actually challenge the top teams. Do I think they could be a team like the Chiefs or the or the Steelers necessarily? No, I don't think they're necessarily good enough in terms of the quarterback to do that. But I would give them a better chance to beat the Steelers than I would give them a better chance to beat the Chiefs. I don't think they, they are better suited for a shootout, even though they scored 34 points. The Chiefs can get into a shootout that's, that's a little tough. Even though Pittsburgh does have a lot of talent – on the offensive end, and their defense is arguably the best in the NFL right now. Pittsburgh is inconsistent in terms of how Ben Roethlisberger plays week to week. Some weeks he'll look like, you know, the big Ben of old. And then again, and then, you know, even against Dallas last week, they didn't look too good, right? Only beating them 24 to 19. So in terms of where the Colts stack up, I think the Colts could challenge Pittsburgh, but I don't think they would beat them. I think uh, they're still a team. I think that would win a first round game and get to the second round and lose. Um, And I think that's pretty, um, characteristic of 
who Philip Rivers has been in his career. A guy who puts up good numbers is a regular season quarterback, but then doesn't necessarily always capitalize and do well in the playoffs, right? Hasn't been to a Super Bowl. And that's kind of where I see them going again this year. But the Colts did do a great job. Now, Tennessee, on the other hand, has a lot of work to do. They were winning the division. Now they're not anymore. And I think that what Tennessee has proven is that if Tannehill is going to complete complete 15 passes, you're not going to win because you can't rely on Derrick Henry to run for 150 yards a game. You just can't do that. That's just, you know, that's not a formula to win a, a championship. You need Tannehill to play like he did the first five games of the year where he was an MVP candidate, right? That play action needs to be effective, which means that Tannehill has to complete his passes at a high clip. He has to throw more than like 180 yards in games. And he has to actually like show up in big moments in big games. They can't score 17 points and their defense also has to show up. They can't allow 34 points to a team with a quarterback who's been mediocre this entire year, right? They just can't. I understand Phil Rivers is a good quarterback. I understand he's made eight pro bowls. I understand he's, you know, fifth in yards in his career and thirteen. you know, and, and only needs 13 touchdowns to pass Dan Marino. I understand all of that. Right. But he's 38 years old and is not the same player he was a five years ago or even a 10 years ago. Right. So that's just kind of where I go with that, right? Tennessee's got to figure out what they're doing wrong because they've went one and three in the last four games. And Mike Rabel's starting to get questioned if his system actually works. I think they'll figure it out. But again, they can't just rely on Derrick Henry to run the ball 150 yards every game and expect to win. Like he ran for 109 yards yesterday. But again, Tannehill didn't do his part and the defense didn't show up. The special teams didn't show up. the little things that they're usually very good at. They didn't do very well. Now shifting over to the NBA, what do I think about all these trade rumors going on? Well, number one, they're rumors, right? So hearing realistically that the Clippers are going to get Russell Westbrook, I think is pure nonsense. If that actually happens, I think that's a disastrous trade. Here's why I would say that because you would have three ball dominant guys who aren't necessarily looking to make their teammates better. Now, people might say, oh, Westbrook does you know, look to be his teammates better. Westbrook is looking score first. I don't even care what people say. He is looking score first. That's what his mentality has been his entire career. And then you have a guy like Kawhi who needs his touches, and you need Paul George who also needs his touches. That's not going to work. They need a Drew Holiday type, a guy that's fine, not necessarily scoring 25 points a game. Now, Drew Holiday can put up 20 points, no problem. But you don't need a guy that's going to come in and take bad shots and not be able to shoot and not be able to really be a great floor general. Now, people say that Russell Westbrook would be great because he's more of a vocal leader and he would lead the team. Maybe that's true. But the thing is, I just don't think he's he's the right fit for there. If Westbrook got traded, he would mostly get traded to a team like the Knicks, which as a Knicks fan, I would be very happy if he went because we need someone that's going to at least change the thing around. Now we wouldn't be very, we wouldn't necessarily be an NBA champion with Russell Westbrook. We may have a chance of making the playoffs, maybe, but again, like you know, he's not going to. You don't again, like these people who are saying that he's going to get great value and go to the Clippers. That's just a, re, a rumor that's just not true, right? His best situation is probably either to stay in Houston because he's not going to go anywhere else where he's going to win a championship. That's just basic, basically what his value is to me right now. You could say, oh, he'd be, he, you could put him in Milwaukee, work with Giannis. No, he wouldn't because. Giannis doesn't need a guy like that. Giannis needs a more of a, a better shooter that can space the court, right? And do things like that. Like, you know, a guy like Drew Holiday would fit very well there, right? Because Drew, I think Drew Holiday is a guy that you really, sh- a lot of teams should be looking into because he can is arguably the best perimeter defender in the league. You can 
watch JJ Reddick's podcast where he asked Kevin Durant and a lot of other guys agree with that opinion. And also the fact that he can also score 20 points in the offensive end. So from that point overall, I think Drew Holiday is a better fit and actually a lot more places than Russell Westbrook is. Russell Westbrook is a better player, but Russell Westbrook's style does not work in a lot of other really championship contending teams because they already have guys who dominate the paint and dominate the mid-range. So I, I don't really see that going on. Now, in terms of James Harden, do I think James Harden will look to get traded? I don't know. I, I think if he went to 76, that would be an utter disaster because you would have two guys who would want the ball. James Harden's not a guy that's looking to move and play with a lot of ball movement. I don't think that would work out very well. I think that would be a really bad trade if they decided to do that. I think if James Harden, for example, went to Brooklyn, that would even be a worse trade because Kyrie and him would not be able to play together. And Kevin Durant wouldn't be able to get his touches. That wouldn't work. And I really think James Harden is best situated in Houston because Houston, he gets to play his ISO ball and do with that. But again, Steven Silas has now decided to double down on small ball, which James Harden can average 35 points a game again. But again, I just don't think James Harden's a great fit with a lot of great stars. I think he needs to be the number one option and he needs the ball in his hands all the time. So either you're going to have a Clay Thompson type with him or not, because like, the thing is like, you can't have another guy who's ball dominant with him. They're not going to get the ball. Right. And I understand why Westbrook got a great, great season, but you know, again, him and Harden didn't work in the playoffs, right? That's where it matters. And they, they're not going to work. Right. And I think Westbrook will be gone. I think hopefully Westbrook goes to like the Knicks or somewhere I like, but he's not going to go to a championship contender. And I think be successful. If he goes to one, they're going to, they're not going to win a championship. The Clippers will not be a contender with Westbrook and people will say they are, but they will not be because Westbrook and Paul George are both guys who do not perform well in playoffs and also are guys that not necessarily will be willing to take the back seat to Kawhi. Russell Westbrook, you know, he played well with Paul George in the past. I, I, they, yeah, you saw the playoffs, what happened, right? They flamed out. And that just shows you exactly what Russell Westbrook is. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, a great talent, but a guy whose skill set today doesn't necessarily work for today's NBA. And I think that's, the problem with Westbrook. And I think that him going to a team like the Clippers or the Bucks or, you know, staying in Houston, I think would be a better fit, but like, you know, he would have to go to a team like New York Knicks to really do what he wants to do. And yeah, he'd be entertaining. It'd be kind of the same way thing when he won his MVP and it's how it is. I mean, I'd be happy to have him on the Knicks. I wouldn't necessarily be angry about that. Do I think he's going to bring us home a championship? No, not necessarily. And I wouldn't want to trade up a bunch of young assets for him. But, you know, we do need some star in New York. So I, I think, that, like, you know, he would be a fine fit there. And something I also saw that I'm going to shift gears into a little bit here is the fact that Chris Paul and the Suns are looking at a deal. I actually think from a lot of different opinion, I think that would be a really good move for the Suns. You have a guy who's a facilitator who can get Devin Booker in a lot of really good spots. Also guys like Kelly Oubre. You know, you have guys such as DeAndre Ayton that can play out the pick and roll. That would just actually be a really good fit. I think that actually puts them in a playoff contention because I think if Chris Paul is healthy, which always is a concern with Chris Paul because he was very healthy this past year. The past two years in Houston, when he had a chance to win a championship, he had hamstring issues or knee issues that kept him back from playing more games. Think about the fact that they could have beaten them in 2017, sorry, 2018, I guess it is now. And you know, how he was riddled by the hamstring injury when they're up three games to two. And they really could have won that series because they had a historically horrible shooting game seven and he didn't play. 
right? So from all of that, I think that Chris Paul would still be a good fit with the Phoenix Suns because he facilitates the leader. He can get Devin Booker, I think, to really buy in and play to his highest level. I think the fact that, you know, also you have a guy like DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton who can actually maybe expand into a little bit more of a player that he has now. You know, he's an 18, 19 per game scorer usually. Maybe get, maybe he becomes a 20 and 10 guy next year with Chris Paul because of the pick and roll, pick and pop option that he can do. And then Devin Booker can still give you his 26 points a game. I think that team can actually be very dangerous. Based on the way that Monty Williams also coaches, I think that actually could be very beneficial to that team moving forward. And here's my predictions also is that will the Lakers get a guy like DeMar DeRozan? I, I think that would also be an, a, a move I'm not necessarily interested in if I would be the Lakers. Why? Because the Lakers need spacing. They have guys who can dominate the paint, Anthony Davis and LeBron. They do not need a guy who's a mid-range shooter. They just don't need that, right? They need, again, like I, I'm a big Drew Holiday guy. Drew Holiday would be a great fit there. They, a Bradley Beal would be a great fit there. Um, but Bradley Beal looks like he's not really looking to move. Um, but, that you know, Chris Paul would be a good fit, but Chris Paul's not really interested in going to the Lakers from what I've heard. So they don't really need DeMar DeRozan. I mean, like, it would be good. You know, it's a nice pickup. But, you know, again, he's not a three-point shooter, and he's not good defensively. Right. And the Lakers were the number one defensive team in the NBA last year. So do I think DeMar DeRozan going to the Lakers would be a great pick? No, I wouldn't. I, I personally don't. Even though I like DeMar DeRozan a lot and I really think he's a great player. San Antonio is a good fit for him. He kind of gets to do what he needs to do. They can build pieces around him and they're going to, I think they'll be fine. And I think, you know, he's a, he's a player that can lead you to the playoffs, but he's not a guy that fits well to the Lakers. He fits well in some other teams, but does not fit well in the Lakers because He's a mid-range shooter, right? And a mid-range shooter is not going to succeed in an offense with ball-dominant, paint-driven LeBron and a paint player in Anthony Davis. Even though he's a great mid-range shooter and three-point shooter, Anthony Davis lives in the paint as well. And you also have guys – the Lakers are big. You have like guys like Dwight Howard who are in the paint and that kind of stuff. So you, you, need, you need a 3 and D guy, right? That's kind of what you need, right? And – a J.J. Redick actually would be a great fit for the Lakers. If they got him, that'd be a great fit for them. If they got, um, like I said, Drew Holiday, if they got a – they were somehow able to get Clay Thompson, which I doubt they would, right? That, that, that's impossible probably. But that's kind of where I go from that. And the last thing I want to talk about, right, is the relation to the NBA draft when it comes to the Warriors. And here's where I want people to understand where I'm coming from with this. I do not believe the Warriors will be as good next year as ESPN analysts think they will be. They are having a little bit of recency bias to how good they were, and they don't understand how bad Draymond Green looked last year. They don't understand how small they look, and they don't understand how the dynamics in the league have shifted. When the NBA was, when they were really good, the Warriors, and this NBA draft analyst the other day talked to Rachel Nichols about it. They were really good because they liked to go small and it worked for them because the league was not as big back in 2017, 2018 and 2019. They weren't as big. Right. But now you have the Lakers who are a very big team. you got the Clippers who have a very big perimeter defensive team. you got the Nuggets who have Jokic. who's one of arguably the best. He's arguably the best center in the game right now. And you have Utah with their rim protecting and go bear and those, those guys. And then you got, you know, Portland's big and, Phoenix is not small and you know, they have a lot of versatile bigs. That's a difference. Like when the Lakers go small, they put six eleven Anthony Davis in the game at the five. Right. And that works for them. Right. So 
if they just had the Draymond Green at center, that wouldn't work for them. I think they have to draft James Wiseman. I understand there's a lot of concerns with James Wiseman in terms of his overall offensive skill set, his motor, right? I, I understand that. But, you know, you put him with the Warriors, I think he would adapt into that culture very well. And he's athletic, right? It's not like he's like a stick baby. You, like, if you throw him on like Anthony Davis, he would struggle defensively. I've seen it, uh, James Wiseman move. He can get up in the court, no problem. He moves like a wing. I mean, that's what the NOS said, but I agree with that. He moves very fluidly. So you put James Wiseman with the Warriors. You have a rim protector, a guy that can run the pick and roll very effectively, a guy that, you know, at least can stretch the floor a little bit, but a guy basically that can give you like a 10 points, 10 rebounds type deal and a few blocks. That I think that could be what he could be in his first year. And he would, and they would actually be a lot better because they have the shooters to compete. I'm not denying that. But they need a guy to protect the rim because if they have Draymond Green protecting the rim, even though he's a good, great defender, I'm not, you know, trying to diss Draymond Green here, but he's not like an unbelievable shot blocker. And they don't have KD anymore, who was a good shot blocker. So LeBron and AD would have a field day there, right? And every team has to situate themselves to beat the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Brooklyn has the pieces to do that. For example, I think Brooklyn is the biggest challenge to the Lakers right now. I think that the Clippers got a good point guard piece. I would say that, but the problem is I don't, I don't trust the accident and nose of Tyron Lue. I trust his player relationships, but I don't trust his accident and nose based on what I saw at Cleveland. Brooklyn, I think will be the challenge because Brooklyn has Katie and Kyrie, but not just those two because they have Karis LeVert. They have Spencer Dinwiddie. They have Jared Allen, right? They have Joe Harris. And those pieces themselves are really tough to beat because Jared Allen can protect the rim. Katie can score, and I think he still will be very good when he comes back. Kyrie can score points. Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie can also put up numbers. But I do think Kyrie, the reason why I think they'll get held back, it, they're only going to get held back if Kyrie is not willing to buy into what Steve Nash wants them to do. And if he doesn't do that, they're in deep trouble. But I don't think that's going to happen, right? I think Miami is still going to be a challenge in the East, right? Because I think Miami's system and the fact that they're so tough as a team – will work. I think Tyler Hero will get better. I think Duncan Robinson will get better. Goran Dragic will be healthier. Bam Adebayo, I think, will get more skilled. Jimmy Butler will, will find a way to improve from this offseason. Don't count on the Miami Heat either. So the Warriors are expecting that they, they, they won't get a shot blocker, and they're going to be some ridiculously good team next year. It's just fool's gold to everyone, right? It's just, it doesn't make any sense. So I think unless they trade James Wiseman and get a good piece coming back another star, then I'm, I'm not sure, but the problem is they need rim, rim protection. That's what you need in today's NBA. That's the one thing I will say is that like, what assets are you bringing, right? They have shooting and they have perimeter defense still, right? What they need is a rim protector, right? Eric Pascal is, is, a, is a really good rookie last year. And I think that he could be a very good guy in terms of playing that small ball five if you need to go small, but you do need a rim protector. And Eric Pascal, is even despite the fact that he's super athletic, he's more of a four, right? He's not going to be protecting the rim against LeBron James, right? I mean, you saw it this year, right? Draymond Green's not going to protect the rim, right? Draymond Green's a great perimeter defender. He's a great, you know, health defender, um, smart defender. But he's, you know, he's not going to be blocking four shots a game, right? Or at least making that presence, right? Draymond Green can block shots. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's six six probably six five, and LeBron's 6'9", Andy Davis is 6'11". Think about Kawhi Leonard, too. Think about KD. Think about Kyrie. Think about Jimmy Butler. Guys who can get to the rim, right? Now, I know KD is more of a shooter than a rim guy, but still, think about that. Think about LeBron going to the rim. Is LeBron going to get challenged by Draymond Green and think that he can't score 40 points against the team? No, he's not. James Wiseman might make him think a little differently, right? Or they get like a Clint Capel from the Hawks, 
Clint Capella might be a good pick for them too, right? And I think that's overall will make them different, right? Now I think Clint Capella is going to say the Hawks, which will be interesting, right? If he's developing the right way, the Hawks could be very interesting too. There's a lot of interesting pieces next year. Billy Donovan, can he get the most out of Zach Levine? I think he could based on what he did last year. Do I think that a guy like Stan Van Gundy can get the most out of the Pelicans? I've spoken that before. I think so. Uh, do I think Steve Nash will do a good job? Yes, I do. I think with Dan Tony, him and working together, Steve Nash will implement his system and Dan Tony will give advice. I think the Brooklyn Nets should be the favorites, but I don't think people should count out the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat next year in the East. I still don't think so, right? And that's all the way, basically, what I thought of these NBA trade rumors, who I think is going to be a contender next year. But relatively, the season starting December 22nd, and I'm very excited for that to happen. And we'll see what happens, right? We'll see what happens. We'll see who comes back, who's prepared, who has the right schemes, if these new coaches can do the right job and build the right culture and build the right schemes for these players to succeed, right? That is the important piece. And the Lakers get good pieces. I think they'll win the championship again next year, but they need to get good pieces. And overall, that's kind of where I think about the NBA. And big NFL games this weekend. Um, I hope you guys tune into it. You know, definitely look into some other teams you haven't looked into. I would say you should check out the Las Vegas Ram. I'm sorry, Raiders. You should check out the Cardinals. You should check out the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins just beat the Cardinals. I, I think, you know, the NFL right now is very interesting. And I think I'll talk more about that next week, what I thought about the games this past weekend. But I appreciate you guys tuning in. And I will be back on next week. Shreds Takes is a very fast-growing sports podcast. And I would appreciate if you hit that like and subscribe button so you get more content from the show. And also click that link in the description to get the full episode in its entirety. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show.